0: and welcome to our latest episode of Certified Fresh. I'm your host in this podcast, Brian Zamania. For today's episode, I'm talking with newcomers to working with and for Line Drive. Tino Capoletti, the channel account manager at Motorola, joins me to talk all things two-way radios. Tino's had an interesting career, starting with Vertex Standard and then transitioning over to Motorola when their acquisition was completed. Having worked on both products and competitive research, he has a clear insight on how to meet the customer's needs. Tino and I discuss the Granger and Motorola relationship, how DFW plays a key role in creating the right customer solution, and why Chicago is such an amazing city. Then, we continue on with our series, Get to Know a Newbie. For this segment, I'm joined by Chris Carpenter, our newest solutions consultant in Tennessee. Chris is certainly not a stranger to industrial distribution, or line drive for that matter, and is excited to join the team. Given his long tenure in this market, he's already hit the ground running. And now, enjoy the latest. Sit back. Turn up the volume and stay fresh. All right, everyone, this week joining us on the pod is a uh, new face or maybe a new voice around uh, the line drive world. Um, Obviously, we've had a very long relationship with Motorola and uh, a few different people with the Motorola team, Uh, but coming on and starting to work with us very recently uh, is our next guest, uh, Tino Cappelletti, who is the channel account manager for National Distribution with Motorola. Tino, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great today, Z. How about yourself?
0: Oh, it's an excellent Friday, I guess I should say. We're recording this on a Friday, which and it's like the end of the day on a Friday, so it's uh, almost weekend time, so I'm happy about that.
1: Exactly. It's the best time of the day it could be on a Friday. So, so what better time to record this than right now?
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, welcome to the Motorola and Line Drive team. I guess we'll talk a little about you're not new to Motorola, but welcome to the, the Line Drive side of it and, and the Granger side of it. We're, uh, we're excited to have somebody uh, step into their role.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Very excited to be here.
0: I would say uh, we always get to the stories. We uh, I, I I didn't make the pun and say you really started off with a with a smashing success as far as your first uh, engagements with Line Drive. Um, interesting story. Uh, tell us about uh, your thoughts on Kevin Mullins driving.
1: Oh well, I mean, uh, for the most part, it, it started off very well. But on my on my first official uh, visit to Line Drive, which you know it was really exciting. You know, we're kind of you know, making our way out of COVID. So I'm actually getting to, to interact and, and meet everybody in person, which has been great. And, uh, and so as, as I, we went to line drive and, and we had a great, you know, first meeting and then I made the suggestion that, you know, maybe we should order in for lunch today. I mean, we've all been used to staying at home and ordering mm-hmm. in like Uber eats and, and takeout. like that's just become kind of the norm now. And so we could knock a few more things out and I was like, no, let, let, let's get out of here and let's just kind of, you know, let's just, let's go out just to get some fresh air. Well, as we made that decision to do that, uh, you know, Kevin Mullins, we all uh, piled into his car and, uh, as we were pulling out of the line drive parking lot, uh, someone made a left turn and, uh, just didn't really notice that we were just uh, sitting there at the stop sign, waiting, waiting our turn and, uh, and boom, yeah, they- Things really got started off with, uh, with a bang there.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you know, welcome to, to Hanging Out with Line Drive. You should be sure to throw it right into a, a major, <laughs> a, a minor, like a severely minor traffic incident.
1: Yes, but we definitely did go a different way on the way back. <laughs> We 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 are now all sort of avoiding that particular corner.
0: Well that's good. Yes, we should we should not do that. So uh already getting started and already getting um unintentionally hazed, which is is fantastic. So um how's it been so far getting acclimated to this role? I I would say you've you had a um, a large personality to fill in uh in our buddy Stu Jackson. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, I agree. Um so I'm not new to Motorola and I've known the legend of Stu Jackson, not only around the Motorola world, but around the, uh, it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, the stories about the, uh, from the line drive team about, you know, the legend that is Stu Jackson. But, uh, you know, so far it's, it's been an awesome experience getting to know everyone, you know, getting to, to know Granger, getting to know line drive, everybody individually and, uh, and really just uh, jumping in and getting things going. Uh, I'm I'm very familiar with, with the Granger uh, Motorola relationship going back 10 years ago when I was a call center rep uh, working for the Vertex Standard brand, which some of you may or may not know of. But um, so the the CrossPoint Communications DFW relationship, all of that. So it, that part of it was nothing new, but getting to meet all of you, how everybody works out in the field, you know the types of product lines that are being pushed how things operate, it, it, it's, just been, it's just been a great experience overall.
0: No, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you mentioned Vertex. So talk to us about you, you started with Vertex Standard um, many years ago, and you've had a, a few different interesting roles. Can you talk about some of the, the different things that you've done with Vertex and then eventually Motorola?
1: Sure, absolutely. So uh, I kind of started my, my journey 10 years ago, uh, ten years ago, this month, actually, oh, and we—I started as a as a entry level call center rep in the Vertex call center right when Motorola had acquired Vertex Standard uh, and took over distribution, technical support, customer service, shipping, receiving, all of that. So it was uh, it, it was chaotic uh, at first, especially because systems weren't in place. Uh, they basically, you know, just sort of kind of dumped everything on us. We, we really didn't necessarily know the product line. And as you can all imagine, terminology was different. Uh, nomenclature is different. The way things are ordered are different. And, and it, was, uh, it was basically a lot of, uh, of, of getting uh, yelled at by customers because for not really understanding uh, the product entirely. But we, we took that as the challenge. We worked through that. And, and we dominated. We came out on top. At, towards the end, we had five consecutive quarters of growth. Uh, we built our, our distribution network. We built our customer network. We built our sales force. And, and really became a, became a prime player for Motorola as a secondary option to Motorola's greater portfolio offering.
0: Right. No, that's awesome. Then going
1: from there, yes. Then from there, as Motorola absorbed the Vertex product line and did all the rebranding of, of the items, Uh, I I moved into a uh, commercial product manager role. So now I'm working on everything from the back end as far as launching new products, maintaining existing products, uh, having to know the SKU numbers, technical support documentation, really working with the technical support team to pinpoint issues, things that customers are facing in the field, doing voice of customer to talk about new products. And I did that for a while before moving on to business radio, which... Most of you are familiar, All of you are familiar with um, the RM series, the RDX series, the CLS, the CLP, all the ones that, that are sold through our business radio distribution channel. Uh, I actually managed that and was in the process of, of launching new products and doing a lot of things there similar to what I was doing on the commercial side when an opportunity came about in competitive intelligence that I kind of couldn't refuse. So before taking on this role, I was scouting out the competition with the Kenwoods, what the Hyteras, what the Tate Communications, uh, as far as radio systems, technology, all of that we doing in the world and report compiling data, creating presentations, and just letting everyone within Motorola know from a product and development and a sales perspective what the other uh, players out there were doing. See, and now that led to this. Here I
0: am. Nice. I, I uh, I'm, I'm looking. I was my little like uh, prepared sheet of questions, and of course, my next question is: Hey, what did you learn in those roles that'll help you in the sales side? But I think you've already answered that. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing to know all of your competition, and I think mean, that are going to end all of your products really well. I don't know. I don't know if does that help. Does that made it easier for you?
1: Yes, actually, that is probably one of the, the strongest things. And, and I kind of always advise that when to my other, you know, friends within the company that are, that are managers. I mean, you know, kind of starting from the ground up, you really learn the business uh, boots on the ground, you know, hearing it from a customer's perspective at first, learning, you know, what the, what the challenges are within a channel, uh, within a network of partners. Uh, You know, learning how things are boxed, how things are shipped, how things are created, how long it takes to develop a product, um, what customers like about it, what customers dislike about it, what the competitors are doing, and and also uh, doing some level one and two technical support. Uh, I was able to learn both commercial and business radio programming. So stepping into this role was, uh, uh, from that perspective, I think all of those things combined have really you know, made me to be a very effective salesperson. And the fact that I can speak to, you know, almost any issue or pain point that a customer may be having, and really help to steer them in the right direction, just based on past experience.
0: No, that's definitely valuable, right? That's a, so what a, what a great way to, to, to build that background and, and leverage your knowledge. I think that that's cool and, and should absolutely be an, an asset and a resource for us going forward.
1: yeah we've definitely already uh, already utilized that with uh, with helping some of the field reps and some and some programming issues and when you know moving back and forth between commercial and business so uh, it, it's already paying off
0: good uh, so let's talk about business and commercial radios you know how do you see the fit in a primarily MRO industrial environment
1: well that's a really good question because a lot of the some of the reps, not only with with Granger and with Line Drive, but but just all over, are we have a whole you know slew of resellers out there that kind of sell both products. And initially, the business radio line was, was sort of on its own, but in more recent years, as you know. Uh, Granger, Line Drive, and everyone has gained access to all these commercial radios as well, as well as, uh, as well as other distributors that I work with all across the country. And there's a very, very gray area between what is, is the true difference. And a lot of people are still trying to understand that. And, and the one thing that I could really tell them is that the main difference would be business radio works out of the box, has pre-programmed frequencies in them, So if you want something that a a reseller could stock or an end user needs to work the minute they pull it out and put it together, business radio is really the way you want to go. And we have business radios that are on par and on point with our commercial radios. However, where the commercial line really differs is when you really start to talk about expansion. You know, Our commercial radios are definitely more durable, not as much as you would think, believe it or not. Those RM and RDX radios can really take a hit. I, I'm sure you're really w- well aware of that, Z.
0: <laughs> I'm, uh, I, you know, Motorola, I, I, I don't think a lot of, well, some people know this. I, I got my job at Line Drive because of Motorola coming to us and saying, hey, we want to do a pilot program with you. And one of the back-in-the-day demos was to take a radio, like a an XTN radio, and throw it against the wall in the middle of the sales call. That was my shock and awe that, you know, people, how durable is this? And you take it and you throw it on the ground and the battery pop out and you turn it back on, and they were like, oh, wow. It was like a real, uh, like a real infomercial feel about it. I think, I think in time, I've refined my sales process a little bit, but uh, the exploding radio seemed to be like a pretty good, uh, pretty good winner.
1: Yeah, and that still holds true today. Uh, in, our, in our innovation center down in Florida, we, left, we like to show our customers the, the bowling ball test where we actually have a setup where a machine picks up a bowling ball and drops it on top of a radio. And it's like, look, that
0: faceplate didn't break. Nice. All line drivers will not be required to carry a bowling ball in their car.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that might become part of the program now. So, So, but getting back to what you were saying before about the commercial side. So the last thing that I want to say there is when we talk about expansion, commercial radios are really, really designed to where As a project gets bigger and as a customer needs more, you tend to lean towards something commercial because that can be programmed to different frequencies that can have some feature sets in it that can get some extended range to you. And they're a lot easier to adapt to a repeater system where you can get some very, very high power repeaters to work on those frequencies to very, very much expand your base uh, and your coverage area.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been interesting to see the evolution. You know, I've been doing this 16 years to see, you know, primarily when we first went in with Granger, it was, okay, we're going to sell these two watts and these really clunky four watts against you know, most people were being sold CP two hundreds at that point. That's what the, the dealer was pushing. So it was like, hey, instead of spending, you know, whatever hundreds and hundreds of dollars on these, you can spend two hundred dollars on this radio. And as we brought new products out with the RDUs and the RMUs, um, we've seen that go. And and a few a few years ago, probably five six years ago with the really the solidifying of the DFW cross-point relationship allowed us to get into some more of those CPs. And it's interesting to see, as we've gotten access to that, I think I've seen a lot of the market change, a lot of the dealer market change to XPRs. And it's, you know, here's a, here's a 200,000, 200, 250,000 square foot manufacturing facility that needs three channels over 30 workers, and they're getting quoted XPR 3300s. And it's you know it's interesting to see you know where the the pushes could continue to move up and and maybe there's some some conversation there, but when we get into a lot of times it's what do you really need, and do you need all this stuff, and do we need to move up market for that?
1: right, and that's definitely an area where, yeah, obviously you know in the professional side is is even different because on the professional series, so when I say that, I'm talking x p r basically. Uh, those radios are so feature-rich. I mean, a lot of the, they have some excellent and great features that definitely set them apart from anything that our competition can even remotely do. However, a lot of those feature sets are trying to incorporate new technologies, things like work order ticketing, where you uh, things like consoles. So you would literally have someone at a dispatch console or a seat in an office somewhere shooting out messages back and forth for job tickets and they can get those messages on the radio, confirm that it's been done and log that back to some sort of backend application software. So someone sitting at a desk and see, Oh yeah, looks like they took care of that over there. Um, Oh, it looks like the, the toilet paper was checked in the men's bathroom of the, you know, ninth floor of the hotel. Someone sitting at, at the office maybe in that hotel could get that notification or things like incorporating your cell phone or your tablet through an application on your phone where you can push to talk and talk to the radios via a network. So, the professional series is really all about incorporating new technologies because as we all know, two-way radio option, two-way radio has come a long way since we started with the old clunkers back in the day. Mm-hmm. However, there's only so much you could do with radio frequency, RF is the term that we use. Radio frequency or RF spectrum because It can't handle the kind of bandwidth that, say, you know, the spectrum that your cell phone runs on that could hold enough data to where, you know, you could run a website or watch a video from your screen. RF is not that wide of a spectrum. It doesn't have that kind of data bandwidth and capability. So we've sort of maxed out on that. And now what we're starting to do is starting to incorporate other things, more database things that we could do utilizing different spectrums, but the radios can still work with. So that's really what you're seeing the technology. That's where you're seeing the technology move on the professional side.
0: Right. Yeah. There's, there are some very, very cool features that can be done and you know, the, the list is incredibly long. All that stuff comes at a price and we know uh, our, our customers tend to be mildly price sensitive. So, um, you know, I, I try to look at that and as I, as I talk to our team Uh, Especially those that are learning, it's like, you know, there are such a variety of options, um, you know, in the quote unquote, two way radio space uh, in the walkie talkie space, if you will, um, that, you know, it, um, it it can almost be overwhelming. And I think a lot of times customers may be a little bit confused about, again, what do they really need and what's important for, for them to get their jobs done.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point to bring up because even as I talk about all those features and things that a professional series radio can do, what do probably 60, 50 to 60 percent, they say it's 50, I think it's more like 60, honestly, in my experience. What do radio users need? And that is simple push to talk, release to listen. Get your voice across, get your message across. Group communication is really what more than half of all two-way radio users need?
0: Oh, I think so. I, definitely in, in our space, you know, where we're calling on, you know, we, there's some different subsets, and I can tackle some of that, but, you know, you think of, like, industrial manufacturing, you know, there, a lot of that, most of the stuff is um, still pretty... Uh, I don't say old school, but, you know, it's pretty classic as far as their needs. We do get into some healthcare and with hospitals or there, there can be some different privacies or sectors there and, and some scope and sizes. I know we've worked with some universities on their, their different pieces. But, you know, really, at the end of the day, um, the complexity for us is, is more of coverage and large facilities versus, you know, crazy work, work order tickets or uh, any other, any, anything like that.
1: Right, because that stuff would be really saved for for much larger scale operations and you would need software applications and and multiple lines of support. And and Motorola Solutions does offer those types of things. However, as I stated, push to talk, release to listen. That is even of the professional users that are using a lot of those high-end feature sets, still a majority of what they're doing is just simple push to talk, clear, loud audio, because Motorola Solutions, we've been doing this for over 90 years now, and and we've we've basically made it that far on the fact that voice is kind of king. Voice sort of dominates. Um, You know, the easiest way to get a message across is to say it (laughs) and make sure people hear it.
0: Yeah, that, that that's true. I, I, I think about you. Know, people talk about the future, and um, you know, back in the day, um, when I first started my career, we all had Nextel push-to-talk phones, and that was like, okay, well, that's going to be the new the new two-way radio because it took a cell phone and a two-way radio in it, and that is gone that doesn't that, the next hell no longer exists I, I think you can still get some push to talk with cell but then the, the next thing we always heard was well everyone's gonna have a cell phone so why would you need 2 a radios because everyone's got you know an iphone on them or an android or whatever and um i was just actually out a couple of weeks ago in the field i'm always in the field i was out in the field and uh specifically went in because the customers said you know they they tried to rely on cell phones and it didn't give, it doesn't you can't do that push to talk and hear as you said like push to talk and listen
1: Right. And and those are two very uh, important points that you brought up because when you talk about cell phones, and I like to use the term LTE technology. So it has a lot of data. You can do obviously a lot with your smartphone today. You can buy tickets. You have apps. You have, you know, that you have all the different forms of communication. But there's two major things that are, that are hindering that. And that's why two-way radio ha- has survived this long and, and is still, you know, going forward a very viable option. Number one would be we all know that our phones do not work when we are in a crowded area. When you get when you're in Times Square, in Manhattan, with with a bunch of people, as it, it much if there's a if there's a crowd, if there's if you are at a concert, if you are at a festival, if you are at an amusement park, if you are at Um, you know, the, the taste of Chicago, like, Mm -hmm. like we have here locally, anything where there's a large gathering of people, how hard is it to either receive a call or get a message?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We usually don't
1: get them at all or we'll get it and it'll show up like so much. Oh, someone sent me a text. Like, yeah, three hours later, it finally came through because the LTE towers just can't, can't hold that kind of, uh, that kind of bandwidth. Then you also have the problem with indoor building coverage. Mm -hmm. So when you're inside a building, we all know you get to the basement. uh, I get no service here. Or, you know, even if you're in like some corner, nope, don't get anything here. So it's very, very difficult to rely on that network. And what are you going to do? Are you going to call Verizon or AT&T say, hey, I don't get coverage in this side of my building. You know, can you build me another tower? I mean, what do you think they're going to say to you? But with radio coverage, you actually have that flexibility to build your own network. If you don't get coverage somewhere, you can add a repeater. You can get a higher power unit. Not to mention, that coverage is so clear and it's so dependable, it will always work, whether you have 500 people in the building or three people in the building. That's why you'll see a lot more of that in, uh, in festivals in large-scale events, that's why all the security guards, all the staff, everybody's carrying radios. If they depended on cell phones, they'd all be flying blind and be in the dark.
0: That's true. And I think about, you know, also the, the point of, of two-way radios, and we, we say this a lot when uh, meeting with customers that, you know, they're like, we want 82 channels. And I'm like, why do you want 82 channels? Well, we want everyone to have their one-off space. It's like, well, no, the, the, the point of this is productivity and safety. And the, the best way to do that is to have the most people grouped on one uh, talk group. Right.
1: And, and that's, and that's another point, And that's another uh, analogy that I like to use is that LTE in your cell phone is really designed for one-to-one technology, which was what we call full duplex. So I pick up my phone, I make a call, I'm calling one person. So if I want to call everybody on a group, well, how would I do that with my cell phone? I would have to what create a three-way call or a four-way call. I have to dial everyone's number. I have to have all of that ready. I mean, how productive is that number one and then number two, or, Oh, well you could just send out a message. Yeah. Well, how many times are we walking around our smartphones in our pocket, doing something working and what we're going to pick up our phones and check them to make sure we got a message. I know my iPhone doesn't vibrate very well. Sometimes I can't even hear the ringer. Or maybe I'm in a part of the building that doesn't get a very good LTE signal. So I never got that message 20 minutes ago. Then I have to go back and look at everyone, everyone's replies back and forth. And that's just simply not productive. And then how do you determine if a worker is checking their personal things or they're checking things for work? So it's also kind of the look of it too. Whereas the radio is really there for one purpose. It's there for group communication versus a smartphone, which is made design for one-to-one communication. Right. I was going
0: to make a joke about it being designed for one-to-none communication, where everyone's just, like, looking down at their phones and no <laughs> one's ever actually communicating anymore. <laughs> That's true. We, we have seen that in recent years. Right. Everyone's sort of walled off. But... um. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like I say, it's interesting to see that, you know, they predicted this rise of cell phone and and that. And really, I know that there's changes, obviously, in in digital signal processing and all in, you know, the way it sounds and how it reaches and how repeaters work. But it's still kind of just like that backbone of push-to-talk technology that that continues to help people get their jobs done and and remain safe within their facility.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's still, you know, the preferred method of all of our uh, public safety Uh, individuals out there and so I mean if if they're relying on it to you know in the most dire of emergency situations uh, you know it's dependable and you know it works
0: right Um, so taking a little turn I know we talked earlier about some of the the futuristic and crazy stuff we're seeing on the professional radios you know the XPRs and that stuff but uh, having been some of the product being the product expert and being the marketplace expert from a business and commercial radio standpoint where do you see the technology moving what's what's coming into that space
1: well some of the things that we're looking at right now you're seeing a lot of integrators uh, on the business radio side integrating certain software applications uh, certain voice commands is especially popular I mean a lot of people now have an Alexa or a Google in their house so we want to try to incorporate some of that uh, within you know the business radio line and you know possibly commercial radio we'll we'll kind of see how that goes uh, we've already started doing that on the professional series. There is a product out there called Ion, which is basically an LTE smartphone and a two-way radio built into one. Um, probably not as it's a very very niche product for you know specific markets, but you know it's something that's there. Uh, it's something that you know we're thinking: how can we leverage this technology in the business and commercial radio line to where you could, let's say, have a back-end software application that. When you know someone needed help in a certain area, uh, you know, for example, you walk into a store and the deodorant is always locked up, and you have to push a button to call someone to have them come over. Right now, I mean, that's radio RF technology that's doing that for our, those customers. But how do we track how many times a day that that happens? Now, how do we how many times did that button get pushed? How many times was there you know communication going from from the, the cashier to the stockroom saying, "Oh, I need a check." back and forth on this. So having software applications integrated into radio technology so we can kind of see those things to to come up with conclusions about foot traffic, personnel, how to better schedule, those types of things are are all sort of being developed right now. And, And we're looking to come out with some products and software applications that integrate all those technologies to make business more effective. Because as we know, Um, We're learning that more and more companies, especially in retail and really in in all industries, are constantly looking for ways to kind of do more with less. And and after COVID-19, you know, social distancing, keeping things further apart is also, you know, playing a big role. And and people are relying on radio technology to kind of solve those problems and and come up with solutions for that. So those are kind of the things that that the technologies that we're looking at right now uh, that will be, you know, that that are being introduced and uh, or will be introduced in the business and commercial radio lines.
0: That's that that's really interesting. I know you, you made a couple of references about you know, retail aspect, you know, like the the Walgreens button pushing or the stock checks. But think, I'm thinking that from an industrial side. How many times do you have to call for replenishment of parts? How many times? does the machine break that you've got to have somebody come over and fix it how many times um you know are they looking for somebody or they need help or you know whatever that is can can they use that for inventory tracking or materials placement or employee placement you know that that's actually it's probably some really powerful data that can come out of that exactly and,
1: and we actually have developed a product called uh, Evolve that has a a very very good scanner on it on its camera it ha- and it incorporates the Wave application, so it's basically like a ruggedized smartphone that you can actually utilize for push-to-talk through Wave, and you could do that over Wi-Fi. Um, you're you're also able to do it over uh, a Moto Turbo system. So if you did have an end customer that had that pr- a professional system or was at least interested in it, this is another you know. M- move towards you know, getting them, you know, adding something to their arsenal or Internet of Things that they can do, uh, as well as CBRS technology, which is a new spectrum that has been opened up by the U.S. government that was primarily being used for the military that also can be implemented that's, that's in its infancy right now. But a lot of economists and technology people are saying, hey, you know, this might become the new Wi-Fi someday. So, and Motorola is in on the ground floor of that t- sort of technology too. So there are a lot of things going on right now. There are a lot of changes overall and, and one thing that I can tell you is that Motorola Solutions is really has it down to where they really want to present themselves and be one of these technology partners and we want to have that technology available to our partners such as Granger, such as Line Drive to when when they run across an instance where that type of technology is needed, we have a solution for you.
0: Oh, that's cool. I, 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 yeah, and I touched on it before, but our portfolio has definitely evolved over the past, you know, 15 years from, hey, you get these four radios, you know, like it too. You know, let's work on, we can help develop systems and we can help build out, you know, uh, a lot more complex solutions to help meet the changing needs of, of our customers. And, you know, as everyone evolves into more uh, tracking and, and the whole uh, Internet of Things, you know, how, how can they use different pieces of software and, and um, you know, technology to improve their business. So it's cool to see that you all are, are investing in that space. Yes, and we have
1: been for a long time, and, uh, but at the same time, we, we don't want to ever leave behind you know, our, our simple push-to-talk, release-to-listen users because, as we all know, there are so many of them out there. And we've constantly been uh, coming out with new products to keep up with that market and keep satisfying their needs, such as the CP100D that was launched and fostered through Granger. So just another commercial radio that's a little bit higher grade, a little bit less expensive, nice sleek form factor. And it's basically the little brother of the CP200D. We've also introduced the BPR40D, which is a digital product. There are tons of MAG-1 radios out there in the field, tons of them that we still see. And we still ship... Tons of the old analog version. Now we're offering a digital version, so if they need to double their capacity, if they need to expand using repeaters, they want that additional coverage. They want that good audio quality that will take you all the way to the edge of the coverage area versus an analog radio, where as you get further away from the coverage area, the audio quality starts to diminish and drop. You may still be able to hear it. You might just not get all the message. Digital solves that problem, so... Definitely a lot of technologies coming out in that space to really, you know, keep those push to talk users happy and give them a bunch of different devices to look at that, you know, they may choose to utilize at any point in the future.
0: Right. Yeah, I think you know you talked about changes and in, in the changes in technology and where we're looking there, and I think there's also been some changes to uh, our customer base and how they are looking to use radios or how they're they're coming into into that push to talk, release to listen segment. You know, I've seen a broadening approach in my mind. It's really around three things: one, COVID. You know, as we talked COVID before, that the, they want to keep the employees a little bit more distance. We're not working together. Maybe we've got less less employees there. Uh, we're not sharing radios anymore. We shouldn't be sharing radios and accessories anymore. Um, so you see the, the maybe a company that only had twenty people with radios now they've got forty people with radios or they've you know, got eighty people because they're they're not again sharing uh, radios between shifts. So that's definitely been a place and it continues to be a place for growth and we should be leveraging that with our partners. Uh, I think from a security standpoint. Um, you know, as as people become more aware of active shooters and workplace incidents and, you know, building plans around that. I'm not speaking for everybody, but I think at one point there's a feeling of, you know, let's ignore this or hope it doesn't happen here. And now people are saying, okay, well, let's plan for this to happen here. So let's, you know, let's be ready. Uh, And I've been on those those calls and those meetings, um, you know, where where they're trying to build out a system to be ready to to respond to an event like that. Uh, And then, probably the third piece would be the productivity side from like workers and you know, having not having enough people. So, uh, you know, I look at the Hibbet sports thing that, that, that Ryan did and they were looking to say, okay, we've got our, our staff. How do we make sure that with, you know, a smaller footprint and a smaller number of employees, we're able to still service the customers in a professional way and in in a, in a responsive way.
1: No, you are absolutely right. Um, one example uh, on the COVID front that you said that you I uh, mentioned earlier is we had a lot. Of, we saw a big uptick in consumer radio sales, you know, through Granger and, and also through through other uh, resellers as well. Where uh, daycare centers traditionally didn't use two way radio because parents would come pick up their kids and they would walk into the facility and someone would greet them and they would walk them over to the door and, and kind of hand off their kid. Well, during COVID, obviously a lot of people still had to go to work. So how did daycare facilities adapt? Well. They ended up buying consumer radio because now they didn't have to have the parent enter the building. The parent could simply drive up. The person sitting outside during pickup time could say, oh, who are you here to pick up? They give the name. They simply utilize their radio to contact the person you know, in the daycare center to simply walk the kid out to the door so you had you know, less interaction. I mean, that was one of the ways that, uh, that they were able to solve the issue that they were having, and they utilized two-way radio to do it.
0: Yeah, it's a good solution. You think all the grocery pickups and um, food food pickups and all that, that stuff, I mean, a lot of people have, have innovated ways to serve the customer, and, and two-way radios play a part of that.
1: Absolutely. You saw a lot of that as well with the curbside pickups because, you know, sometimes, you know, your Wi-Fi coverage doesn't get all the way to the parking lot. So when you set up an area for the curbside pickup that might be, a significant distance from the building. Even if you're using a handheld device that runs over Wi-Fi or LTE, you might not get service in that area where two-way radio is always dependable because it's simply if something's needed or something's forgotten, push to talk, someone's already there, and that solves your problem. So we, we definitely you know, are seeing more and more uses all the time uh, for two-way radio.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you think about of that, you know, what are something that most, you know, Granger sellers or, or customers not thinking about when they're, when they're approaching their business and, and how they can implement two-way radios?
1: Well, I think the main story right now, and I know everyone knows about it, but I still think we have become more and more gravitated towards the safety space. With everything like you mentioned earlier with everything that they've seen with you know incidents in the workplace uh, I mean it's very unfortunate, but you know we we've seen um, you know shootings in in, in grocery stores or, or violence in in crowded areas um, you know that responsiveness is, is so important, and we have radio features and functionality so maybe someone is buying a business radio that that does very well but you know, Hey, if there's an accident or or something happens, you know, maybe it might be time to go a little commercial grade because we can program an emergency function into the radio with just a press of a button. It will send out an alert to everyone to be, to be, you know, on point. I mean, obviously you can still do that with a business radio, but you know, someone could simply, you know, radio out to communicate with everyone, but maybe everyone's not on that channel and they're not going to get that, or they're not utilizing a scan function. So sometimes an orange emergency button You know, plays plays more of a factor. I mean, these are the types of things. Sometimes we kind of have to ask ourselves, like, you know, is this is this a scenario that possibly could happen here or, you know, things like uh, like a lone worker feature, whereas now maybe we always used to send two people down uh, to, you know, a a basement or a place that's sort of cut off from the rest of, of the group. And uh, maybe now we don't have that kind of bandwidth. We don't have that many employees. So we have to send one person down there. Well, our commercial radios have a lone worker function that will constantly be, be sending out a communication to that lone worker to simply push their push to talk button. So that way we know, okay, they press the button, they're good. If they don't press it, it sends an alert to the rest of the team and say, hey, go check on that person. Something might be down, they didn't respond. So, you know, these are the types of things that, Uh, especially on the commercial side, we have these features, we have this functionality because safety really has become more important than ever. And and we've seen that through COVID and and all these other incidents that we're seeing all over the
0: place. Yeah, Actually, I think that's... I think it's a really good point, Tino. <laughs> I said that a I was like, wow, Tino, you made a good point. <laughs> no, I, I think it was a, um, you know, as, as we're talking to customers, especially those who've maybe just used radios in the past, they're used to the push to talk, that's it, this is how I communicate. But, you know, maybe taking it, actually maybe working with them to understand what are the needs, what, what could be some of the potential needs, making sure we're introducing them to those other options and having those discussions, certainly not overcomplicating the sale or over-complicating what's going to happen, but, you know, giving them um, some insight on these other pieces that can help uh, if there's an incident, if there's an accident, or if there's an emergency situation. You know, that's definitely something that we should make sure that that our customers are thinking about. How else can they use the radio besides, hey, can you bring me a pallet of paper over here?
1: Yes, yes. And uh, we're we're trying to, you know, really... Talk about, you know, some of the feature sets and what differentiates, you know, commercial, professional and and business radio. And and yeah, like you said, some of the things that that we can do to leverage it a little bit more. I mean, we know we know it saves on productivity. I mean, what what do we say if it's just five to five minutes a day on an eight hour shift? I mean, you know, the radios pay for themselves. The the return on investment happens in such a short amount of time because now you don't have to walk all the way across or, oh, geez, I got to go find someone or, oh, where's that person? Drop what you're doing, you know, get off the production line, move out of the warehouse. I worked in retail for many years and they finally adopted that for all those years we weren't using radio. So I really saw, you know, how much more productive it could be oh, you need me to do an inventory check? Well, that's, that's 20 aisles away. It's going to take me five minutes to walk over there, drop what I'm doing, five minutes to walk all the way back. Whereas if I had my radio on me and say, hey, who's in this area? I am. Can you give me an inventory check on this? Wow, we did that in, in, in 30 seconds as opposed to the 10 minutes it would have taken me to do that, and that would happen day in and day out. So we all know that that is really where, where radio comes in handy, but... The end. Not to mention doing that without monthly subscriber fees. <laughs> LTE can't really, can provide certain functionality, but that's going to be a monthly fee for everybody. So with radio, it's it's a one time investment that pays for itself.
0: Right. That's true. I, I'll, I'll I'll file that under taking away my smoke break. <laughs> there you go. Can't do that. Can't do that anymore. Can't can goof around. Say hi to my friends. You know, got to stick at my workstation. Yeah. No. That's good. The one last thing I want to touch on. No, no, can't do that. The one thing, one last thing I'll touch on is the, um, um, you know, some of the stuff we've been doing with Granger lately on uh, a few of these key national accounts. I won't get into their names, but uh, I think it's cool having you in here and working with Chris at, at, at DFW Crosspoint and our team to help start expanding and, and working with some larger national users to say, hey, let us be the person that that helps run and consolidate and 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 helps you with your fleet. You know, if you've got 26 locations across the country, let's work with you on standardization and make sure that you get the right radio and that we're consistently using the right radio across the board, that we're not having one site with XPR 7500s and the other site's got some, uh, you know, talkabouts that they put on a two-pack that they got, you know, so uh, I think that's really cool and I, I see that there's, yep. there's a pretty strong future for us into that, you know, going into that market and making that case now that we have started to get traction, you know, definitely. when We have those stories to tell to other large national accounts with Granger. It's, it's interesting.
2: Well,
1: yeah, because one thing that everyone should remember is, is Gr- the Granger account, you know, who obviously line drive assists and works with on the regular, is a very, very unique account to Motorola because it is the only account and I repeat the only account that has access to the full portfolio of Motorola products, which is what makes them so special and what makes them unique because of their national reach, because they are, they're playing in every single vertical really that, that Motorola solutions would be in and target. Um, they get the ability to, to order anything, any solution that Motorola has to offer. So In order to help standardize that, in order to aid in that standardization, yes, working alongside Crosspoint to help them really leverage all parts of the portfolio and really sort of become one team and and sort of you know work one-on-one with them to educate them. So yes, you can go to the Crosspoint team. You could come to me and we will be on the same page and give you the same story and work together to ensure that the customer is using the right product you know, within the Motorola solutions portfolio, historically Motorola has been split off where people, certain resellers and partners only get access to certain parts of the portfolio. And there are reasons why that was always done in the past. So if you, a lot of times you'll have uh, a reseller go out there who says, yeah, I'm going to try to sell you this because I'm going to try to sell you the most expensive thing that I possibly have, because this is all I have access to. You don't need it. They're not going to tell you that of course. But, you know, I'm going to sell it to you because that's what I have to offer. Well, now you have a Granger who could come in and say, or, or you all as Line Drive could come in and say, well, yeah, I, I can give you that too. However, what do you really need? I can also give you this or this, or I have this to offer. Why don't you check all of these out? And that is something that is so unique that, that Granger and Line Drive have the opportunity to work with. Uh, with motorola solutions and having that access to our full portfolio
0: yeah no it is cool and it, it's um, a good way to look at it and we should be thinking about that you know, as we're engaging and having those discussions with customers you know not only is it just consolidating with granger you know consolidate that spend remove that vendor that's probably just providing you two-way communication but you know now you can roll it in but we can also offer you a pretty comprehensive a very comprehensive um, offering to to meet the right solution for your needs Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right on. So outside of the two-way radio talk, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push to talk some questions. You can release the answers or something like that. I, I tried to work that tried to work that something. to work that I tried to work that into in. It that was, was bad. That was a really good effort. It was bad. And, um, uh, who, who, who is Tino? <laughs> yeah. you know, like, as the team gets to work with you, what's Tino? You live here in the city, correct? You're in the city of Chicago
1: yep yep i'm in i'm in the city of chicago i'm in the logan square neighborhood which is one of my favorite neighborhoods in the city that's uh that's full of uh great brews great food uh and and all kinds of good stuff uh i'm very very much into music i attend numerous concerts all year that was probably one of the tougher things to deal with during COVID is not having live music being able to go to shows Mostly in the punk, the pop punk and emo genre. Blink One Eighty Two being my favorite band. So everything that spawns from that, starting from late seventies punk all the way up until you know All Time Low and all the good stuff that you're seeing today, um, definitely cover all that genre. But you know, my heart is still is with those uh, with those two thousands uh, emo and pop punk hits because uh, those were the years that I probably w- was the most into it. Heck, I saw Fall Out Boy twenty two times in that era.
0: Wow! All right, that's a, that. That is, a, that is that a fun fact? Like when people are like tell me something about it, you're like I've seen Fallout Boy twenty two times. Yeah,
1: twenty third coming up next month.
0: Oh, are they are they coming to uh, Riot Fest or Pitchfork?
1: No, uh, they'll, they'll be playing Wrigley Field. Oh, with Weezer and uh, yeah, Fall Out Boy, Weezer, and Green Day. Okay, now that's a lineup. That is a
0: lineup. That's actually like right in my like that late nineties alternative rock is really like my sort of lane that I that I'll stay in. What's your favorite part about Chicago? You
1: know, Chicago is obviously the the second. It's technically the third largest city, but I really like to say it's the second because you know we all know Los Angeles is one massive. County. Basically, you have to get in your car and take four freeways to get anywhere. Um, What what I really love about Chicago is it has just so much to offer. You know, the the architecture downtown is unbelievable. I love coming down to the office down here and and just sitting on this floor on the 38th floor, looking off the rooftop, just, just looking at everything. Not to mention you have this amazing lakefront right next to you that I take a lot of advantage of, whether it be running down there whether it be going to the beaches in the summer. Um, the lakefront is just, just an awesome place. Uh, not, but I think the main component, the thing that I love about Chicago the most is that each neighborhood is so unique and so different. You could go months without going back to the same place. Even if you enjoyed it, it's like, man, I love that place. And then you're like, you know what? I haven't even been there in six, seven months because there is so much to do. In such a small area, nothing is really difficult to get to. Nothing is really that far. You know, you're always just a short ride, a short bus ride. You could jump on the L. There's a street festival every week. There's concerts. There's constantly a new bar or restaurant opening up that you have to try. Heck, in my neighborhood, they just opened up to three breweries in the past two months that I can walk to all of them. So, I mean, those are just the types of things that are always going on in Chicago. And I've been living in the city for 13 years. And uh, and yeah, and also being centrally located, if you want to travel, O'Hare, you're right in the middle. There's always a direct flight pretty much anywhere you want to go. That is not as common as you think with my colleagues that I work with in our national distribution network all over the country. It's always a connecting flight or I can't get out or, or I have to leave at like 6 in the morning. I have it pretty good because <laughs> I can always get a flight in and out of O'Hare anywhere that I need to go.
0: I like that you're right. That was a that was an excellent commercial for the city of Chicago. So we got beaches, lakefront, tons of restaurants. I would say that, and I know that that's kind of like a unique Chicago thing. Now that we're coming back out of COVID, is the street festivals that every weekend. There is a festival somewhere where you can go see live bands. It's usually the same bands over and over again. So, if you like 16 Candles or uh, Two White Crew or uh, any of those other guys that, that are all, all Rod and the Tough Curls, you could basically go around to all these festivals and see the same people. But it, it's a great time hanging out in the street, drinking a beer, listening to some good music. Um, closing us out, I got to ask you know, being the Chicago guy, which do you prefer? Is it the stuffed deep dish or a square cut thin pizza?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I prefer the stuffed deep dish, especially from the Art of Pizza in Lincoln Park on Wellington and Ashland. Get yourself a slice for you know three fifty. However, uh, I do order uh, thin square more often. I tend to utilize the deep dish as a treat.
0: Yeah, that's always it's good for. That's when you know when you have people from out of town staying with you is when you go get deep dish. So, absolutely. Right. Well, thank you for taking the time with us today. I mean, definitely, um, we're excited to have you in the role and, and, and working with us and, um, looking forward to seeing how the radios evolve and how, um, our approach and our, our partnership with Granger and DFW Crosspoint, uh, continues to, to help us expand and, and get involved and, and, um, engage with, uh, more workers. So, um, welcome and thanks for joining.
1: Oh, this was great, and uh, I I hope to be back, and and please, uh, have me anytime, always willing. All right.
0: All right, joining us now for another episode of Get to Know a Newbie, for all of our fun and exciting new line drivers, uh, Chris Carpenter. Welcome to Zertified Fresh. How are you today?
2: Really, really good. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing wonderful. This is great. Uh, you and I got to spend some time together a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had a blast. We, uh, we we got to travel all around the state of Tennessee and learn mm-hmm. exciting things. So uh, being the new uh, SC out of Tennessee, how, how has it been so far? How are you enjoying Line Drive? I'm really enjoying it. It's crazy. Crazy busy. Always crazy busy. I like that. There's always something yeah. to do, Right. Right. So let's talk about uh your background. Where where did Chris come from? What what have you been doing up until your uh joining Line Drive?
2: Well, most of my experience was with uh DeWalt, Stanley Black and Decker uh for most of my career and had a short stint with a company called Radians over in Memphis, Tennessee. They're a manufacturer for PPE, much like one of our Other. brands, MCR.
0: <laughs> right. So Yeah. So have you spent plenty of time in the uh, industrial world, if you will?
2: Yeah, plenty of time in industrial and commercial main, uh, construction. So it's the best of both, I, th- I feel.
0: That's good. Now, um, coming to Line Drive, you, I wouldn't say uh, uh, it wasn't organic. You, you know a couple people from Line Drive.
2: I knew several people from Line Drive, yeah. I was really excited about it. So what? what... Everyone seemed happy. Uh... <laughs> everyone, seems, everyone seems happy. Right. Oh, that's great. Right. But it's, it's, it's different when you know someone for 14 years and they're thrilled with the position they've got with the company. So every company's got its, its mess, you know, but uh, uh, you just you, you water the grass and make it greener where you are. So.
0: Oh, there you go. I like that. that so, so for those listening at home, who is the person that you knew for 14 years that uh, got your little angle and insight into line drive? Ryan Latham. Oh Ryan Latham! Ryan Latham knows everyone. I feel.
2: Yeah, he, he he doesn't get really deep with any one person. It's just very very uh, surfaced relationships among many.
0: It is right. Unfortunately, that's it. yeah, it's, ter- it's terrible. So, um, I guess that's really not. That's, no, sorry. I I know. Yeah, we're we're just teasing. Everyone everyone knows Latham is a, a, a true friend. Um, I He's say, solid. Yes. Uh, so, understanding the, the open positions there, what, what drew you to Line Drive? What what, what made you excited about coming and join uh, this company, this organization?
2: I, I, you know, I feel like my previous two jobs were just leading up to something like this, carrying more than one manufacturer across the spectrum of safety, which is what I've done for many years, uh, knowing the customer base already, knowing the distributor base. It seemed like a really, really good fit. I didn't apply to uh, more than a couple of companies. Uh, MCR was one of those companies. Um, but it seemed like a great fit. Uh, the, Angie Badley had reached out to me a couple of times about moving to Georgia, and we just weren't in a position to do that with our family at the time. But uh, it's, it's been on my radar for a long time. The company has.
0: Well, that's good. Said, talk, talk to me about your family. What what's? I know you have a a, a handful of children.
2: <laughs> well, we've got 14 children. I know that <laughs> that probably seems like a lot, but in the South, it's not that many. Stop it, We've bro. got three. We have an 18-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 12-year-old. And two girls and one boy. Oldest is about to head to University of Tennessee in Knoxville, which thankfully is an area that I get to cover, so I'll have my eyes on hers. Most of the PD in in Knoxville will have their eyes on her, but uh, two more at the house, and you know we're it's it's an exciting time. It's just it's kind of crazy right now.
0: I like you have the you have the daughter of college. Like, have you guys made rules about you dropping in? Is there like a like a, you you must give a twenty four hour notice before you show up?
2: No, we've not made those rules. But I, as you speak, I'm writing these things
0: down. <laughs> I think you need like Life a
2: 360. Is a great thing if right. you don't have it already.
0: <laughs> she she needs to make this upfront contract with you. Like, look, we can You can't just be showing up in my in my <laughs> dorm or whatever it is. So, um, that's we, right. You know, we we talk about different jobs. Like, w- what was your first job in high school?
2: Uh, TCBY yogurt. Do you? You might be too young
0: to I remember not, that. I'm but. not that young. I look young, but I'm not that young. Yes. Now I remember TCBY yogurt. So first thing you're you're squeezing out the soft serve, (laughs) putting on the sprinkles. I like it. What was, so I always ask, what was like the, what was one thing that you learned from that job that you've taken with you?
2: Just responsibility for your, uh, honestly, it was just responsibility. I I was young. I think I, I started working 15 years old in Houston, Texas. Someone at our church owned the TCBY branch. They gave me an opportunity underage to come in and work and i think by the time i was 16 i they called me assistant manager i think it was a key holder or something like okay. that within tcb so i got to open up i got to close and at 16 that's a pretty good amount of responsibility i think i got paid 275 an hour which at that time you're not was probably pretty good I was but like, I you're know. not
0: that old come on 275 an hour
2: brutal I don't. I, it was really, really low. You know, you oh, work for two silly. weeks and then you get a check for forty five dollars. <laughs> really, I am going nowhere. Now, were you
0: when you say were you responsible? Were you the one who, giving your friends like free samples or free uh, free goods? Uh, not
2: no. I, I maybe my mom every now and then, but no, I. I <laughs> you are like mom. It's a business. You, I had to make money.
0: You you get free you get free sprinkles, mom. That's it. What's <laughs> <laughs> putting money in there? So you've been. It was at line- a good first job. Yeah, yeah that is that's cool. It's that was that's a, definitely different. Um, you've been at Line Drive for a couple months now. Like, what what's been one of the more interesting things you've learned? Like, what's uh, uh
2: the most interesting thing I would say by far is learning to juggle different manufacturers and that relationship with distribution. It's not easy. It's different.
0: It is different. I think, yeah, I think when people come in, you know, there's that, um, you know, a lot of obviously most people are used to like focusing on one product or one brand or, or whatever it is. And, you know, uh-huh. it's a little different learning how all of these things are interconnected and, and how you get from point A to point B to point C.
2: No, you're right. I mean, it, you said two months in and just this morning, I learned about a product that we offer through a manufacturer that I, I you know, I wasn't aware of. So, Every day, I'm learning something new, and I think that'll it'll be that way for the first eight or nine months, but that's okay. It's fun. That makes it exciting.
0: That does make it exciting. It's definitely different every day.
2: It, yes, there's no doubt, but knowing that I've got a product that I wasn't sure of earlier that I can support a customer with that's currently buying it, that's – that's good news for somebody like me trying to get started.
0: That is good news. So you know, you say get started. You've been in the market for you know many many years. Are there any interesting mm-hmm. customers? What's what's the what's the most uh, unique, interesting customer that you've you've dealt with when you've been in the the Tennessee market?
2: Most unique customer.
0: Yeah, who's a um...
2: man? That's yeah. It's they're all unique in their own way mm-hmm. as far as our distributor partners. But you know, I, I've got long lasting relationships with some of these folks and I, the most interesting thing is getting to, to see them again folks that I've stayed in touch with they've stayed in touch with me uh, they support the products that I carry not because of not because of the products I guess maybe because of the relationship so
0: okay yeah I, I know when, when we were together you got some people like that one guy we were talking on the phone with was like hey I'm buying from Chris I don't care what it is you know and I think that's cool
2: that was the best having you in the car at the <laughs> same time it's it was the best thing to hear. Yeah. So I paid him off. I gave him money. You gave, bucks you gave him was...
0: some money You're like thank, yep. thank you You're like this dude from Take corporates with me. <laughs> <Thank>
2: <laughs> no. But but that is the I mean that's the truth. Uh, if you you know service customers right and you you respond to calls and emails in a timely manner which unfortunately in this day and age people Do not do. So you separate yourself from the competition pretty quickly just by responding. And, you know, a a lot of folks say, well, do what you say you're going to do. That's obviously true. But respond to folks, Um, you know, let them know that you've got some kind of sense of urgency. That's that's a major separator in today's sales world. So it's unfortunate, but it's true.
0: Yeah, that, that's fair. That's a, everyone knows my favorite, uh, my favorite success advice is follow up and follow through. And yeah. you know, if you're Chris and you do that, then you get lifelong customers.
2: Right. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. There's no doubt about it. That's I, true. And I, you know, <laughs> but folks can count on me. So I answer the phone.
0: That's good. That's always a, That's a good first step in sales is to make sure you pick up your phone. You're not kidding. Yeah, this is good. This is this is the Brian and Chris Sales Advice Podcast. I like it. So, uh, if you think about it, when you're not working, what's uh, what's the favorite mm. show? What do you what do you and the wife like to binge?
2: Ozark. I'm just gonna come right out and say it. Okay. It's not the greatest show on the planet, but it is. That's it's what, pretty nice. That's what you're watching. It's a good one. I,
0: you know, I've yeah. not seen that. A lot of people recommend it.
2: It's got some tough stuff in it, Brian. If you're not ready for it, then because it is backwoods, Ozark, Missouri, Arkansas. All
0: right. So like right in, people. Right, I was like right in your area. That's good. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a good show. All right. So when, when you're not watching Ozark on the weekends, what is, what is Chris up to?
2: I'm fishing. I'm outside with my son, my kids. We're, we're doing something active uh, at the lake on the boat. Uh, just you know, blowing off steam and spending time with family.
0: Well, that's good. That's, being outdoors is wonderful, and it's it's nice that you can do that with family and friends. Right, which is good. So, well, Chris, appreciate taking a little segment of your time. We've educated people on how to be good sales on salespersons. Oh, uh, yeah. But thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Uh, you join. I appreciate upon, it. Appreciate you uh, joining Line Drive.
2: Ryan, you're awesome at this, man. Thank you for, for giving me just a few minutes. I didn't expect it to turn into a, a sales training call. A oh, whole uh, session. <laughs> I'm an open book, yeah. You
0: know. Oh, it's great. Thanks, Chris. We, uh, we appreciate you being here. Thank you. Well, that's our show. Another fresh look into the workings of Line Drive. Thanks to you all for listening. And a special thanks to Tino Cappelletti and Chris Carpenter for joining us. Tino's a great resource and is going to be a good addition to the Line Drive and Motorola team. Make sure that you subscribe on your favorite pod hosting platform and tell all your friends and coworkers to listen. I love hearing requests for new guests. Keep the suggestions coming. Zertified Fresh is a Line Drive production. Recording comes from a variety of unique and fun places, which always adds to the challenge. Your host and executive producer is me, Brian Zemania, and our amazing technical producer is Amy Struckmeyer.